Hello, and welcome to the Orthodontic Products Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Warner. On today's episode, we have Trey Lawrence, who will begin his role as the American Association of Orthodontists' new CEO on March 1st. Lawrence steps into the position after leading the association's advocacy and legal efforts as vice president general counsel for the last five years. Before that, he spent almost 20 years in law practice and advocacy. Today, we're going to talk about the role he's stepping into and the work he'll be doing to lead the association. Trey, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you're stepping into this role, as I said, after serving as vice president general counsel for the AAO, where you've led the association's advocacy and legal efforts for the last five years. What do you take away from this time and work as you step into this role as CEO? Yeah, so I, you know, definitely some great victories there. I think we'll probably talk a little bit about those in a little bit. But two, at a higher level, I think two things that I take away from that time and that role Number one is just a profound sense of purpose. It's why have an AAO, why be an AAO member? And then the second is just a real optimism for what we as an association could do. So on the purpose side, you know, we're out there. I'm so proud of us as an organization, and this certainly includes members as well as, you know, the AAO staff and administration, but we're out there doing important work and really taking the lead on teledentistry and the direct-to-consumer topic in particular. And so I think that gives us such a common identity as an AO community of why have an AO and why be AO members. And then the second, it's out of that, this just an incredible opt- optimism about what we can do. We have had constant opposition from very well-funded, very aggressive, you know, m- opponents to the advocacy work we do, legal threats almost constantly. And in spite of that, we've had some really significant accomplishments. And so I think that really speaks to what we as an association and our members can do to to make their practice better and to help their patients out. Great. Well, we will talk about some of that work. So before we get there, though, for those who might be wondering, what is the role of CEO at the AAO? No, great question. I mean, I think fundamentally the role of the CEO at the AAO, a lot of initials and letters there in one sentence, <laughs> yeah. is really no different than the CEO of any other organization. I mean, most fundamentally, as the CEO, you are kind of the go-between uh, taking the strategic direction from the board of trustees and then working with the staff and administration to implement and to, to carry out that strategic direction that the board of trustees provides. So on the ground, what that looks like is the CEO, you are in, responsible for leading and giving direction to the entire AO staff and the administration itself. You're definitely a public representative of the AAO. And then you're also flows back toward the board of trustees. We're trying to give them information on the resources that they need and some direction that they need to help set the strategy and direction for the association. Okay. So you mentioned in our last question, you know, some of the advocacy work you've done on behalf of the organization. And I know the AO is always encouraging members to get involved at both the state and federal level to affect legislative and regulatory change, but especially the state level, because this is where more immediate impact can be felt. Can you talk about some of those successes at the state level first and then and uh, some of those successes at the state level first that the organization and the membership have been able to accomplish in recent years? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think your question highlighted something that really I've seen during my time at the AO when I first came to the AO, you know, about five and a half years ago now, we really had almost entirely a focus at the federal level and, and there's definitely reasons to be there. But as your question 
highlighted, things move very slowly at the federal level. It is a long-term project, and it's just difficult to get things done. In contrast, on the state side, things can move very quickly. You can really leverage members' connections. You know, I'm, I'm constantly shocked at how many members are treating, you know, the son or daughter of somebody that's in the legislature. Some, you know, they are friends with members of the dental boards, and we can really leverage those connections to get things done. So the kinds of things that we've seen accomplished and and do really highlight the importance of members certainly on the teledentistry or direct-to-consumer topic that's been our number one topic at the state level for the last several years and so 23 brought a really significant development there we saw the bill pass in nevada which was the first of its kind in the country that requires an in-person examination and x-rays before you can begin orthodontic treatment through teledentistry and those are really the touchstones for us as an organization is making sure patients are seen in person, examined in person, and have x-rays taken before they start treatment. So that was a huge win for us. That was absolutely a case where we relied very heavily on our members on the ground in Nevada who had connections with the legislature, had leadership roles in the State Dental Association and brought them on in support too. It was you know, truly a coalition effort. And then an outgrowth of that, I would, we're, we're seeing great progress in Florida this year on a very similar bill. Right. I'm very hopeful that that bill is going to pass. It's, it's up before the full House and the Senate. I think it may pass in the House today, actually, as we're recording okay. this. But that's a similar bill would require those in-person examinations and x-rays before you start treatment. The Florida bill, if it passes in its current state, would it add an extra wrinkle, the kinds of the, the little disclaimer boxes that you see on like cigarette advertising, yeah. it would require a disclaimer like that for orthodont- any advertisement for orthodontic treatment that would say that it's highly recommended that a patient receive an in-person examination and x-rays before they begin treatment. So that again, you know, will be even another step forward in our progress on that issue. And so, and then next year, we'll hopefully look to take that to other states as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been the big one over the last year or so. Yeah. We've had big wins. Also on the student loan side, Florida created a program last year that if you're a dentist or a, any of the dental specialties, including orthodontists, and you practice in an underserved area in the state, you can get up to $50,000 a year for up to five years in student loan repayment assistance. And so mm-hmm. that's something many states have had on the medical side. Mm-hmm. But we're not aware of any state in the country that's included orthodontists in that. So we're really happy that Florida created a new program. And again, we'll be looking to do something similar in other states. So lots of great work in both of those areas. Yeah. Workforce shortages is another one. We're working in many states and in Canada, too, in Ontario right now, trying to, in some of the places where heavy regulations are a part of the problem of practices mm-hmm. being able to find and hire assistance in particular we're looking to loosen those restrictions so it's easier for practices to hire staff okay now at the federal level what would you say are some of the recent successes yeah you know at the federal level too talking about that shift in strategy we've had a similar shift there our our shift at the federal level was more recognizing kind of the same theme that things can happen more quickly at the regulatory level as opposed to getting bills passed in Congress. So we have started using our congressional relationships to influence the federal side. So our biggest success there in the past couple of years was that we had 21 members mainly of energy and commerce on the House side that signed a letter 
requesting a study by the GAO, which is the government agency that audits all the other agencies, a study on what the FDA and the FTC are doing to regulate direct-to-consumer mm -hmm. medical products, including and highlighting orthodontic, you know, the clear liners, direct-to-consumer in particular. And so the GAO did that study. We got the results back, and we're now working with the signers of that letter to what are the next steps and some you know talking about now taking that study directly to the fda and the ftc trying to get them to take a closer look at what's going on in this space so i think that's a good example of a, a significant win for us that highlights our new strategy and focusing on the regulatory side but definitely the congressional side is a big part of that too so i'll put in my obligatory sales pitch yeah. here for the AO pack and that's such <laughs> an important tool in fostering those relationships with members of Congress and so really want to make sure that all AO members recognize the importance of the pack and and what that money is used for so, you know a big win like this and encourage all AO members to contribute to the pack well you mentioned the pack there what are some other roles that the members can take in addressing these regulatory and legislative challenges Probably the easiest one, we, as we have developed our national advocacy network and have added some team on the advocacy staff, we're really using some new tech tools to allow members to very easily reach out to their member of Congress or their state legislature. And so what that means is, is watch your, if you're an AO member, watch your email inbox and you will get emails from AO advocacy that will describe what the particular issue is. And then very easy, many times just clicking a few links and digitally, you know, digitally signing your name by typing and it will generate a letter to your member of Congress or your state legislators. So that's that's going to depend on the specific work going on, but that's a really easy way and it's very important. Something's going on for them to hear from many, many orthodontists weighing in on an issue. So that's the easiest way, but also just getting more involved as far as a leadership role. And again, I'll highlight our National Advocacy Network is a very easy way for typically two or three hours a month to get plugged in, to get up to speed on the AAO's issues, the talking points, learn how to speak on those issues, and then really keep track of what's going on in your state and then work with the AO team when something's going on in your state to, mm -hmm. to, to work on that issue. Okay, great. So um, you are also a founding member of the Center for Telehealth and eHealth Law Oral Health Group. What's your take on the kind of the telehealth, teledentistry, teleorthodontics, whatever we want to call it these days, um, in orthodontics today? And what should orthodontists be thinking about when it comes to this technology today? Yeah, so that, you know, I'm going to talk probably some more in this conversation about the challenges that tech is posing on the regulatory mm -hmm. side. And that that's been the challenge for, I mean, the challenge for us as an organization, there's so many great uses of technology that's developing. So as you look at things like remote monitoring and, you know, the digital 3D printing capabilities, all of that, there's just so many great uses of the technology. So as an organization, we want to promote and allow our orthodontist members to use that technology. But we also, on the flip side, we, we have to recognize that there are companies that will use that technology to replace the doctor in the treatment equation. The doctor is always the most expensive component in any healthcare cost equation. And so some companies will look to gain a cost advantage by using the tech to replace the doctor. And so we want to protect patients against kind of those misuses of the technology. So I always, 
to steal a phrase from Buddhism or a concept from Buddhism, I always call the AO's position on all this the middle path, where we want to promote the legitimate uses of the technology. I mean, strongly support those, but also protect patients against the misuses. And so that's the challenge for us on the policy side is where is the policy that we can advocate for that does that, that promotes the legitimate uses and protects against the misuses. Um, the challenge on the regulatory side, tech always outpaces regulation. Yeah. The tech will always move faster than the regulation. That's what we saw with teledentistry and direct-to-consumer is before dental boards even knew what had happened, there was suddenly this new thing out on the market where patients could get you know, aligners in a box at home and never see a doctor in person. So as an organization, we really need to stay ahead of the technology to anticipate what's coming. Uh, you know, I think teledentistry is just the first step of it. I think as the AI continues to develop, I think as robotics continue to develop, there are probably five years from now, there are going to be some things out on the market that we couldn't have even imagined yeah. right now. So as an organization, we need to anticipate what's coming and then try to help work with dental boards to get them educated and anticipate these things. I hope that when Tech Challenge 2.0 comes, that dental boards are able to act more proactively on it instead of you know acting from a far reactive position, yeah. which is what we saw this time. Yeah. Well, to kind of go, not that this advocacy and legislative work are going to be a part of your job now, but one of your priorities will be seeing through the strategic plan that the AAO put in place a few years ago. So one of the priorities of that has been diversity and inclusion. What do you see as the successes on that front and where is the AAO's work focused in the year to come to kind of foster that welcoming membership community? Yeah, so I'm really proud of the progress that we've made over the last few years. Certainly one big area there was the development of the trustees at large positions. The, the purpose of that was recognizing that the way that the Board of Trustees was configured as of a few years ago, there were some gaps in you know the demographic representation and maybe uh, level, uh, like career stage representation. And so those trustee at large positions were specifically created to be able to identify where those gaps are and then fill them. So we've been, I think, you know, some of the amazing trustees at large that we've already had on the board have just done such a good job of fulfilling exactly that role. We're looking forward to welcoming a new one at annual session in 2024. Here in just a couple months, Dr. Caitlin Kramer, who is going to, you know, continue that tradition and just do a great job in filling in some of those holes as far as age. And she's in the academic world, which is a piece that's been a little underrepresented on the board. So definitely looking forward to the continuation of that. The other big piece has been the Special Committee for Inclusion and Engagement, which has continued to grow, has become a permanent committee now. I think initially they were more in the task force you know, category and the Board of Trustees and the House recognized that that was going to need to continue to be a part of the conversation for years to come. So they have, um, you know, they've, they've been a huge assistance in identifying the areas of need for the trustees at large. Um, there was a House resolution that passed last year that came out of the sky is the, how we reference that committee mm -hmm. that uh, rec strongly recommended implicit bias training for all AO members and leaders in particular. And then one thing that will be new this year I'm really excited about is that Sky is going to have a live podcast during annual session highlighting the diversity among AO members. So I think that will be a really cool thing to see um, yeah. during an that annual session time. Oh, great. 
Well, another key priority of the strategic plan is driving transformation and innovation. Can you kind of update our listeners on the work of the Business Development Task Force who oversees this initiative? Yeah, yeah. Well, one very fundamental thing I'm very excited about the Business Development Task Force is now the Business Development Committee. So again, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing that that's going to continue to be a need into the foreseeable future. So that will be a permanent group now overseeing that kind of work. So, you know, they they have some great products that they're continuing, existing products, they're continuing to develop the MBO Wharton program, the Mastering Mm -hmm. the Business of Orthodontics, which has been such a hit among AO members. They're not letting that remain static. They're developing new content. They've added a live component to that, some live interaction with other attendees and the the leaders that are leading those sessions. Uh, Tech Select similarly, you know, in the goal of trying to be the the go-to unbiased resource for members on tech-related projects, they're they're continuing to broaden the number of categories of products that are included in that. Uh, In the future coming up, I know that the Business Development Committee is, is working on developing right now two new member programs. I can't, unfortunately, can't share the details about (laughs) those yet. One of them I've seen the basic outline for, you know, what the concept Mm -hmm. is. And I'm, I think members will be very excited about this. I think this will be at the level of the the MBO Wharton program as far as Mm -hmm. member interest in that. So definitely stay tuned, you know, and hopefully in the near future, the, the committee will be able to roll the plans out for those and let members know what's coming. Well, one of the uh, a recent launch is the Supplier Network Program. Can you talk about what that program means for members? Yeah, I, I think that Supplier Network, I'm so happy that we've engaged in that. It, it's, I think it highlights a transactional way of doing business versus a relational way. So it's a, it's a kind of permanent relationship between the AO and our suppliers and vendors, which mm-hmm. I think is a win-win-win for everybody. I think it's a win for the suppliers because it better helps them identify what their needs are for something like annual session, you know, make sure that they're getting the most um, bang for their buck in, in working with the AO and annual session and sponsorships and those kind of things. On the flip side, it also, you know, through a point system that they're, they've developed that encourages um, our supplier vendor partners to invest in a wider range of AAO opportunities that's going to bring in not just like an annual session or the sponsorships but also things like working with the foundation to support the AO foundation or even the AO pack there's some opportunities there for some corporate support for the administrative side of the AO pack and so I think through that program we're really exposing suppliers to you know, a wider range of opportunities across the AO spectrum so I think members will benefit from that, from seeing things like the foundation and the pack that haven't been traditionally as high on the radar of our supplier and vendor partners, seeing them supported by those partners. Okay. So with the AO annual session coming up in May in New Orleans, uh, what can attending members expect? I know you'll be announcing the Ortho Innovator Award winner there, and there'll be another Ortho Tank pitch event. Yeah, so definitely, definitely there on the tech piece, I think, Hopefully, members that have attended the last several years have really seen the growth in that. In general, just that innovation pavilion area, a whole area of the exhibit floor that's dedicated to, you know, highlighting how the AO is supporting tech and innovation. So certainly some of those programs like the Ortho Innovator and Ortho Tank, those are going to continue, continue to grow. We have some new things coming out. There's going to be an Ortho Innovator Hall of Fame 
that will recognize some of the past winners and continue to give some attention to those who've won in the past. Um, the new product showcase where members are able to vote on their mm -hmm. favorite new product that's being featured at annual session, that's going to be even bigger this year. I think that was a big hit last year with both the members and the exhibitors who were showcasing those new products. So mm -hmm. a lot of things going on in the tech side and then just in general for annual session, the development of these pathways for members based on your interests and I forget exactly how many we had last year, maybe five or so, but really helping members to focus on what am I most interested in an annual session? Is it the science path? Is it the tech path? Is it the community and social interaction path? And then giving them, you know, even as simple as icons to identify which events and which lectures are most pertinent to them. We're continuing to build that out. I think there's being another path or two that are being added to that and the signage and the, you know, in the, the, the little icons in the program and all of those things are continuing to expand so that members can really easily identify what am I most interested in and navigate. Really, it really brings down the scope of this big giant event to the pieces yeah. that are most relevant to you as a member and then be able to focus on and, and you know, even as simple as find them. <laughs> uh, but, but I think yeah. really personalizes the annual session event for members. Oh, excellent. I think that's a really great idea. So a big component of the transformation and innovation pillar of the strategic plan is creating non-dues revenue. And one way in which this is happening is through the Innovation and Transformation Fund Awards. Why is this part of the initiative important to the long-term health of the association? Yeah, so to, to take a step back kind of at the most fundamental level, I'm always so proud when I'm talking to other organizations to tell them the, 80, the AAO has an 86.4% market share of active orthodontists in the U.S. So that, you know, in one sense, that's great news. It means we're doing, that's incredibly high among associations. I think it means that we're doing things that members need and want. And so a lot of great news out of that. But then the challenge is when you have that high of a market share, there's just really nowhere to grow as far as revenue you just can't realistically expect to take your market share above that. So dues revenue increases probably not much ceiling to grow there. So what that really means is if we want to continue to develop new products and services for AO members, we really do have to focus on non-dues revenue so that we can do that without having to raise dues. And so that is a huge area of focus. Uh, certainly one of my primary areas of focus is incoming CEO are to do that, we really do want to every year be rolling out new products and services for members that they can really benefit from, but not have to raise their dues in doing that. And so non-dues revenue is so important to that. I mean, it's it's how we can do that. And then things like supporting tech, supporting innovation, developing things like the MBO program where kind of an a la carte for additional options that members can choose if that's something that will benefit them. Those are all the ways we're definitely going to look to continue to expand those non-dues revenues opportunities. Okay, great. So um, another aspect of the AAO's work uh, that gets a lot of attention is the consumer awareness program. What are the AAO's plans for in 2024? Yeah, it's a 2023, you know, we saw great results. The, I think we had approximately 7 million consumers that were driven to the AAO's consumer website through the CAP activities and work, um, something like 915 million, you know, discrete hits on AO information. So we definitely want to continue to see those numbers 
rise. So some of the things that are in the works this year, um, continue to look at ways to use influencers that are in the social media world and have really established followings, but are not necessarily, you know, orthodontic or dental people. So I know there's a new um, relationship like that that's in developed. Another one of these influencers like the Holderness family was last yeah. year that has, you know, in the millions of followers that will be teaming up with the AAO. Um, we, I think we saw coming out of the, the Smile Direct Club bankruptcy news and some of the media coverage that that, the AAO, I'm really proud of the job that our marketing team did of seizing on that as an opportunity to get some earned media coverage. Yeah. And so myself and Dr. Guyman, our president, did a lot of interviews. And I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I know it was in the billions, the number of times that you know, consumers of the general public came into contact with the AAO name ah, through okay. coverage in like the Washington Post and the mm -hmm. LA Times and ABC News and some great sources. So yeah. we will definitely continue to look for news opportunities like that that are gathering attention out in the general public that the AAO can be a voice in that. And then finally, we definitely have a new consumer awareness campaign that's in development right now. It's called the Science of Smiles. The general theme there is going to be educating the public on the science behind orthodontics and get them to recognize this is not, you know, just a cosmetic procedure right. or just going in for like tooth whitening, but it is a complex medical and biological process and recognize why they need to see a specialist to have those kind of treatments done. So that will be coming in the next six months or so. I think members will start to see the first ads coming out of that new campaign. Okay, great. So when you look to the future of the association, how do you want to see it innovate and grow? Yeah, I think the the bottom line is we want to, you know, we always, our, our goal in general is to make sure that we're delivering members the services and the products that they want. I think the challenge of that is as we grow in the scope of what we're doing and as the needs of members grow, the diversity of members, you know, certainly demographically, but also practice setting, you know, all of those kind of things, we need to make sure that we're not just bombarding members with this avalanche of information and they have to sort through, well, what's really relevant or what's not and all kind of becomes white noise. So we are really prioritizing developing the technology and the the internal capabilities so that if a member gets on the website or in their email that they are getting a very specifically uh, tailored you know content on what their needs are what they want to see so using things like AI to look at members past viewing history and which emails have they open and all of those things on the CE you know you don't you get on the CE section of the website you don't just get this again, an avalanche of different mm -hmm. CEs, but you really get the content that's specifically tailored to your particular mm -hmm. interest. So we're that just in general, across every area that the AO interacts with members, we're really trying to streamline that interaction so that members are getting what they want and when they want it in the form that they want it, all of those kind of things. So I, I really hope members will be seeing, I think they can be looking in the months uh, to come to start to see the ways that that's showing up in things like their email or the CE content mm -hmm. on the website. And mm -hmm. then I think related to that, but it's definitely just as important is recognizing, you know, long, long gone are the days where the AO can primarily put out content for solo practice owners. I mean, we have such a diversity of members now, we need to make sure that we're developing content for each of those members. So somebody that's practicing 
in a more corporate setting with an OSO or DSO, you know, mm -hmm. obviously their needs as a practitioner are very different from the member who does own their practice. Right. And, you know, it is a solo or a small practice. So we've got to make sure that our educational, our meetings, content, all of that meets all of those needs. And, and I think hopefully members have seen a lot of development in that direction, but definitely hope that, that will, they will continue to see that as we work on that content for them. Great. So how do you want AAO members to see you as you take on this role as the CEO? I just read a quote recently reading some CEO leadership type, mm -hmm. you know, books and, and articles, but, and I don't remember the source of the quote, but it was very applicable. I think said that ultimately the most important job of a CEO is it's the ultimate balancing act. So I think about in this particular role, on the one hand, I definitely want members to see me as trying to lead the AAO in that strategic and visionary thinking about what the future is going to require, making sure that we develop for that. But at the same time, also recognizing the AO has this amazing 125-year history that we're going to be celebrating that anniversary this year, and just so many you know legends that have gone before, and the science, and you know the the members that are toward the end of their career, and, and definitely need to be just as much a part of the organization. So, I think that kind of a balancing act. Um, I definitely the on the one hand, like I mentioned, you know, being the figurehead for the AO, being out there and being the popular representative, other organizations. But I also want every single member to feel like I'm approachable, that I am, you know, just an email or phone call away for them to let me know, you know, hey, I got a problem or I feel like a need's not being met, and that goes all the way back to you know the resident that's in their first day of residency. Mm -hmm. I during the the interview process for this position, I heard somebody mention something about, um, you know, when I first started as a resident, I felt like, no offense to old white guys, but there were <laughs> old white guys everywhere, and they felt very unapproachable, yeah. and that is absolutely not the, you know, kind of the general impression that I want to send. I went from that first day of first year of residency all the way up to our most senior member. I want them to feel like they can, you know, talk to me, let me know what their needs are, and know that I'm working to represent their needs. Great. Well, as we look forward to the upcoming annual session, what are you looking forward to there? I, yeah, I just love annual sessions so much. It's just <laughs> such a great event. I, but we, we as an organization, we just recently trademarked the phrase, the world's greatest celebration of orthodontics, which <laughs> I think is so representative of what goes on. And so much of the reason I look forward to annual session, I mean, just the staggering amount of the, the, incredible lectures and the great research and the product innovation out on the exhibit floor. It really is a celebration of the, the specialty and all of the amazing the work that goes on in the specialty. But if I could put a little bit of a slant on that phrase that we trademarked, I also think it's the world's greatest celebration of orthodontists, mm -hmm. you know, as individuals. And that's really what I look forward to more than anything about annual session. I, you know, I'm about six years into my uh, life in the orthodontic world and have just discovered that orthodontists are such amazing people. They're so talented. They've got such, you know, care and concern for their patients, do such great work. And so really, you know, annual session, when you think about just this collection of those kind of people coming from all over the world, it really is such a great reason to celebrate. And, and again, me being a relative newcomer to this world, it, it just, I'm so happy. It's, it just feels like home now, just being around all those people, all those amazing members. It's just that that's where I feel like the AAO is most the AAO. Like <laughs> the, you really get the, the 
utmost expression of, of what we do and why we and our members are just such a great body of people. And so look forward to all of that. I can't wait to, and New Orleans is such a fun yeah. place to begin <laughs> with, you know, it, all the more reason to celebrate that event, having such a great purpose, but being in a fun venue and on top of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Trey, it was great to get to know you. And thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, right. absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. So good luck. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> right. Thanks. As always, thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Orthodontic Products Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes. And be sure to check out orthodontproductsonline.com to keep up with the latest industry news. Until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.